Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, no one ever thinks about the crew below the decks. They're drinking and they're partying and having lots of sex. They cook and clean and serve the rich with a smile all day. But when the richies leave the ship, the yuggies get to play. yo ho yo yo ho yo We're heading up the gangplank and going down below. Bravo! Hey guys, welcome back to our very first episode of Gangplank Report for Season 9 of Below Deck OG. I am joined here by my awesome co-host Jen, and in just a second she's going to give you the rapid recap. This episode Bravo decided to call, oh I forgot it already because it was so dumb, what's it called? (laughs) One Step Closer to World Domination. Right, like they're pinky in the brain. Um, And we decided to call it (laughs) an axe to grind. Yes, and that's got so many meanings on this episode, too. (laughs) And here's Jen for your rapid recap. Well, my Sienna this season is setting sail in St. Kitts. Eddie is back as first officer, but Captain Lee is delayed. So we're introduced to delivery captain, Sean Meager, who if you were listeners in our first season, you got to meet him already. We have a whole new crew, interior and exterior. And in the first crew meeting, Captain Sean lets them know he's not good at cracking the whip, but he is excellent at swinging an axe. The provisions arrive without the chef there, and it looks like a bomb went off in the galley. Rachel's the last to arrive and sachets down the dock in full glow-up mode. At the preference sheet meeting, we find out we're in store for two themed events on the first night and a beach party the second day, and that it all better be fancy. The next day, the crew puts the finishing touches on the boat, and Eddie is less than thrilled with Captain Sean's hands-on style. Tensions are high already between Heather and Frazier and also between Rachel and Eddie. The batik-themed dinner and pajama party with Truth or Dare Jenga went well, but Frazier felt pulled in too many directions. The second day of the charter serves up the first complaint when the primary points out that a garbage bag has been on her chaise lounge all night. And the guests grew impatient and Eddie went from slow simmer to boil as Captain Sean's vision for the perfect beach picnic delays their start time. And that's a rapid recap. Awesome. Well, old boat, Mm -hmm. mostly new crew. What do you think so far? So far, so good. I think personally, I like Heather. She looks to me like, did you ever see the vacation series with Chevy Chase? Mm, Maybe. National Lampoon's vacation. Beverly D'Angelo. She looks like a young version of her to me. And our friend King Willie on Twitter thinks she looks like Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, he listed all of Daenerys's names <laughs> <laughs> and added Chief Stew at the end. <laughs> but- I like her. Frazier seems like he's going to be our Greek chorus. He reminded me a little bit of Lexi in the 
kind of narrating along what we're seeing. His internal external dialogue, you mean? Exactly. Exactly. It's out loud, but it should probably just stay in his head most of the time. We don't know a lot about Jessica. We know that she went to cosmetology school recently and she's caring for her elderly grandparents and she was a soul stew on most of her voyages. So I needed to ask you on this one before we get to the exterior people. A soul stew, does that mean kind of a day chart? thing like what Delaney did that just means she's on a smaller boat that doesn't have as large of a crew so she's used to working by herself which means that she's got experience in all the aspects of being on the interior she's probably just not used to doing five-star service the same way that a mega yacht crew is so when she says soul stew she's probably on something under 100 feet Okay, because I did see a lot of people on Twitter last night wondering why with her five years on and off experience, why Heather chose to put her as third stew and chose to put Frazier, who's only worked on one boat, but it looks like he did it for two seasons in the med and it was a super yacht. So is that why you think Heather might have put him in second stew position? Probably because he has more of the high-end service experience, I'm going to okay. guess. Well, he, and then he admits later that he doesn't have that because he doesn't even know how to make an espresso martini. Right. So I would assume that it's because his CV states that he's got experience on bigger boats. So maybe her impression is that he has more high-end guest experience as opposed right. to what it sounds like which is more head of housekeeping so mostly just interior cleaning and which surprises me based on what we see later in the episode with his lack of attention to detail that gets him into trouble right yeah he has less experience that maybe wouldn't have been my call or maybe I would have asked a few more questions before Mm -hmm. I made that determination but if she says she's happy in laundry then third stew is a good spot for her to be because that's where she's going to spend most of her time Right. That's a good point. So we move from them to the exterior crew. And first we've got Jake, who all I could think of was that he and Lloyd were going to have like a mustache off. (laughs) That's all I really know about the guy so far. (laughs) And that he likes a good double entendre. Then we've got Wes, who is a sailboat captain in St. Thomas, which I found interesting. This is the second time we've had somebody, well, third time, really, if you count Riley and then Delaney saying she had her captain's license. And then now Wes captains who are coming to get more experience colin from sailing yacht oh and colin from sailing yacht yeah so do you think that that's about the money or is it you have to log so many hours i think i mean for anybody that's signing up to do this i think it's about the experience honestly i mean i don't think it's as much about the hours because you could work on any mega yacht that doesn't have a tv set on it you know what i mean right but yeah, yeah. I, I do actually know Wes. Oh, cool. Yeah, I met him at a dive bar in Rhode Island years ago. He's a really nice guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a good dude. So I was excited to see that he was a part of the cast this year. Cool. Well, good. 
And then last but not least, we've got our greenie, Raina, who's actually done fishing charters in Alaska, which again, made me think of Riley. So we'll see how she does. She seems fun. Got a good personality. I like her so far. So that's most of the crew. We know Rachel. We know Eddie. Let's get to what I would like to call the misperception of Sean. Okay. And this is my little ax to grind. I was blown away by the immediate negative reaction to him. And we kind of knew that nobody was going to be happy that it wasn't Lee because this is Lee's franchise. And we knew that, but after talking to him and you've known him for years, we thought his fun side, his adventurous side would shine through and somehow, and you know how I hate to blame things on editing, but somehow it has come across at least to the viewing audience from what I've seen from my friends posts and things and talking to other people that he's more of a micromanager than Sandy. And I just didn't see it that way. I saw it as a guy who was thrown into a position that he didn't know he was going into. He was just supposed to drop the boat off in St. Kitts for the show. He gets kind of roped into doing the show until Lee can get there. He's adventurous and an explorer by his own admission. So he concedes to doing it and does it with gusto. But he wants to make sure if it were me, I would want to make sure if I was in a group of strangers in a situation I'd never been in before, we know he's never watched the show. He told us that when we interviewed him and he repeated it again on Watch What Happens Live last night. So if you don't know those things, you're going to want to go around and see what this gig is about. Well, this is a crew you've never worked with that you've never seen. So you have no bad, all you've seen is their resumes and consider that he has not only done charters on this boat with a full crew, but he also is still in charge of this multi-million dollar asset. So he wants to make sure that the reputation of the boat is still intact, regardless of what happens once he leaves it's still on him until it does. And he has seen probably Eddie's resume. He's seen the other deckhands resumes, but we know from the past that people can lie on their resumes. So it's in his best interest to keep a very close eye on this, which is not what we're used to seeing on this particular franchise, but I think totally justified from his perspective to be able to, to be involved And to make sure, you know, for him to go through, we've never seen Lee go into the rooms before the charter guests show up on the first shot to see that everything is done the way that he expects it to be done. Right. We saw Sean walking around with a microfiber, wiping things down and looking at things and making sure, you know, checking out the the Laz area to make sure that the beach setup that's down on that lower level is the way that it's supposed to be. And for Eddie to be like, yeah, it's not going to look any better than this. And Sean comes in and he's kind of like, BS, I've done this on this boat before. I know it can look better than this. And he made it look better, I thought. In my opinion, it did look better. (laughs) If you know that this guy has run this boat before, he's not just stepping on as a cast member. Why would you not listen to him when he says, this is how I would do it? Just close your mouth and do it. 
Yeah. On that, I have an ax to grind because I feel like we have seen Eddie go after crew members in the past Mm -hmm. for not being respectful of the captain. And it's his captain, but he's said multiple times, it's the position, you have to respect the position. And then we see him do the exact opposite, which I think is extremely hypocritical. And I can't appreciate that. Yeah, I agree with you. Because like you said, Sean, this isn't his full time gig. He has a reputation to protect outside of this show for however many episodes that he's on so I completely understood why I can get and I will say this about my friends I can understand how they would perceive it that way because we're kind of preconditioned for three types of captains the Lee the Sandy and the Glenn so I think they're trying to shoebox him into somewhere and because he was very hands-on they put him in the Sandy box as the micromanager. But this is literally the first and second day of the first charter of a experience he wasn't even planning on doing. So I don't know. That's just my two cents. I'm not, I'm kind of grinding an ax, but I also understand why people have, I have my own instant perceptions about people. I just was disappointed Because you know him, I've gotten to know him, or I'm getting to know him, and how he appeared on Watch What Happens Live after the show is much more the Sean that I know. He's very self-deprecating, he's funny, he'll go for the quick joke, but he's very no-nonsense when it comes to providing the guest the best experience possible. He knows they're spending a lot of money and he wants it to be good, so... That's just my opinion. For him to be there in the first place is a lucky stroke. And for him to agree to do it in the first place till they wait till Lee gets there. For everybody to jump all over him and his management style. You know, he even kind of joked about it last night on Watch What Happens Live. And I can appreciate that. He knows he's not perfect, but he's doing the best that he can with what he has and what little he knows about the process but he's still there to do his job. Right. And I think that that's the best that you can hope for in that situation. Yeah. We don't see him sitting in the pilot house with a radio in his hand waiting for things to happen. Right, exactly. He was vacuuming the bridge. By the way, just a little side note for anybody hearing the noises in the background, Adrian is actually doing her job right now and is prepping. So if you <laughs> want to know how good of a chef she is, she can prep a wonderful meal and talk about below deck at the same time so perhaps a (laughs) multitasking multitasking at its finest but yeah I was gonna say before that John actually my husband put in his two cents about it too and he said that it's always benefited him to be hands-on when he gets new crew on at work for two reasons one to show them that he knows what this is your husband talking about his job about his job yes when he has new crew come in to his manufacturing company he shows them for two reasons and one is to let them know that he knows what he's talking about because much like sean was saying john's done every job in there there's not anything any machine any anything that he doesn't know how it works how to fix it that kind of thing So it shows them he knows what he's doing, and it also shows them 
that he understands what he's asking them to do. And if he's done it, they can do it kind of thing. And it builds a bond there to show that you're not beneath a certain job or whatever. He was vacuuming the bridge on his own. He could have easily gotten on the radio and said, Heather, can you send Jessica to vacuum the bridge for me? But he didn't. He got it out and did it himself. Right. And that's the kind of guy he is. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's that's why so many people in the yachting industry, not exclusive to Below Deck, loved working with him and want to work with him again. Right. All right. Well, that's our axe grinding. What did you think about the guests? I really enjoyed them. I thought they were fun. I think so, too. They kind of reminded me of the last group of guests from the last season, actually. Right, right. Yeah, it was fun. They wanted the party. They wanted to keep it going. I was surprised about the two themed things on one night. Have you had to do that in the past? Because usually we'll see like an 80s party one night and then a white party the next night or something. But to have the batik theme for the dinner. And mind you, they didn't get in until 3 p.m. that day. So, right. I wonder if their trip was really short and that's why they wanted to cram as much in as possible. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that, but the two of them, that and the pajama party with the truth or dare Jenga, that's not something I would think that a crew would have at the ready, you know, a deck of cards. Yes. A Jenga set with truth or dare questions written on it while you want them to do this and while you want them to do that. It did. That seemed like a lot, but they also seemed fun but about it. Keep in mind that production is setting a lot of this stuff up in advance. Right. They have to know before, you know, somebody's sitting in an office before they even get down to St. Kitts. Right. Going, okay, what can we have set up ready to go? So maybe they had the Jenga set ordered on Amazon and they just brought it with them and then handed it to the crew and said, here's your Jenga set. Yeah. Because otherwise all we see is the crew getting the preference sheet the same day the guests arrive. Right, like right. there's no Amazon in St. Kitts. Right. You know, <laughs> if you think about it from a production standpoint, they have a a lot of this stuff ready to go already those pajamas didn't come out of thin air right. somebody ordered those well in advance so that they were there yeah so I mean all of that kind of stuff I roll my eyes at because I know that it's unrealistic to get that stuff last minute right if you're in a place as remote as St. Kitts yeah true so fun question what do you think was uglier Jessica's petite dress or Katie's dress for the white party before she took the scissors to it Katie's dress. (laughs) I just, for some reason, Jessica's dress just hit me. It just kind of looked like a sack. I love batik, but there was just something odd about that outfit. I don't know. But no, they had a great time though that night and they seemed to be vibing with the crew. They wanted more interaction with Raina. They like Frazier. They think he's doing well. He's covered for the fact that he doesn't know how to make a chocolate martini. He had no problem Googling it and doing it properly. But then we get to the second day of the charter and we get our first complaint from the primary. And it did kind of, not knowing what the contents of the garbage are, it hit me kind of wrong. Even when I clean my own house, I'll take the garbage or whatever I'm collecting to take out and put it in my pathway and had Fraser done that it wouldn't have been hidden by the arm you know what I mean those are Mm -hmm. I would think normal housekeeping tricks 
obviously I've been housekeeping for way longer than Fraser. He could be one of my kids, but <laughs> that's something that surprised me from someone who was the head of housekeeping. But I also keep in mind that it's also an honest mistake because he was getting pulled left and right. He's not used to getting tugged away for service and it could have gotten him scattered. So I understood it at the same time as I felt like I wouldn't do it, if that makes sense. Totally. And keep in mind, it's first day jitters with cameras and a new experience. And I mean, more than just the guests showing up and it being the first time that they're all meeting each other and everything else. I mean, there's a lot of nerves going on. I remember I was terrified my first handful of days of filming until I was too busy to pay attention to the cameras anymore. Right. You know, and so I get it. You can make honest mistakes. I don't think it was an egregious mistake. I think it was, he didn't do it on purpose. It was very obviously accidental and he was horrified at his own mistake. So you can tell that it was one of those things where he probably would not normally have done it. Yeah. And I did like that he used the opportunity too to open up a better line of communication between himself and Heather, because you could tell, even though it seemed to be kind of just saying it and not really (laughs) wanting it to change just yet, because that was the time when he said, I'll give you sour or something like that. Or you want to see sour or something like that. It just made me laugh. And I just pictured him as this little sour patch kid. (laughs) I think their tension seemed to build pretty quickly. And I'm kind of surprised that it's starting off like that already. And then we've still got the tension also between Rachel and Eddie because of how Eddie spoke about her at the reunion at the end of last season. Well, I mean, not even just the reunion, but all season. Right. True. You know, and I don't think he was off base with anything that he said, by the way. No, me either. I don't either. And I don't know if she's not willing to be introspective about it. Or if he just did such a good job of covering it and being friendly and gregarious with her that she doesn't know once bitten twice shy kind of thing. I can't tell if she doesn't think that he was right in what he was saying or that it's more of a trust issue, I guess, is the better way to put that. Well, regardless, she doesn't seem to be that introspective about her own behavior to be like, you know what, I probably deserve that. And maybe I have to work towards gaining his trust again so that he does want to spend time with me in public and yeah hang out with me with the rest of the crew you know like it's her fault right it's not his for making observations about her own behavior right and bad behavior at that you know it's to me it's one of those things where she has the opportunity to look at this and go you know what I screwed up last time I really should have behaved myself a little bit better but Then again, that's probably not why she's on TV. So whatever. Yeah, she seemed more contrite, I felt, at the reunion than she does this first episode. That's just my take on the whole thing. But we'll see. We do have a question. Sarah B would like to know, (laughs) and you're going to laugh at this. Why, if they all had to clear quarantine at the same time, why Rachel is the last to arrive and the crew had to deal with the provisions on their own? That's a great question, actually. (laughs) And I was kind of wondering the same thing. I didn't think about the quarantine part of it, but 
if they know what the filming schedule is, mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing if Lee's delayed because he has some kind of a health issue, but she didn't seem like there was anything wrong with her. Like, why wasn't she there on time like everybody else? Right. That seemed really strange to me as well. So Sarah, you're not alone. I don't have an answer for that. Yeah. I, I think it's strange as well. I do too. I don't get it. Yep. Yeah, I don't either. Because honestly, if they are quarantining for seven days in St. Kitts, then they would all be at the same place. On other seasons, it made sense. You've got some people flying in from Australia. You've got some people flying in from Europe, plane delays, things like that. But in a post-COVID filming setup, it made zero sense that she wasn't there. So I don't know. I saw a meme that somebody put up that was like, you know, Rachel coming down the dock and it was Rose showing up to the Titanic in like, <laughs> that I thought was really funny. It is very funny. <laughs> well, anyway, they wrapped up the show basically with the guests were a little annoyed. Their picnic was supposed to be at 1.30. And the last time stamp I saw at the end of the show was 158 and Sean was still wanting another half hour. And I get that he had a vision and wanted to make it perfect, but I also don't think that the look of a picnic is necessarily going to dissuade frustration that builds up. I would try and find the happy medium, I think, on this and, yeah, you know, not make it too late and cut as many corners as you can, but still make it look good. I'm not really sure about the philosophy on that unless he thinks he can just absolutely wow them with a beach picnic. Well, and it's possible that part of his hesitation was that it was a whole lot windier than they thought it was going to be. Right. That's a good point. You see that tent blown away. Like, right. And if, let's say Eddie's in charge of the setup, really, where was all the stuff that they needed? You know, you see Sean calling on the radio incessantly to get a hold of Eddie to have him bring things. But if Eddie was in charge of the excursion, then where was all the stuff that they needed that he had to keep calling for? Well, I do know that he checked with Jake or Wes, I can't remember which one, but I remember a conversation and someone telling him that everything was in the Laz area and all they had to do was toss it onto the tender. So I'm not sure that he didn't delegate that to somebody else. And if he did, then that's his bad because he should have maybe micromanaged a little more and made sure that they had everything that they needed. So I don't know. We'll see. It seems like there's going to be a lot of butting heads. I never expected Bravo to roll out the red carpet for a temporary replacement for Lee. I think they were going to amp up the we want Lee emotion for the drama factor of it. 100%. I kind of think there might be a little cherry picking going on. But then like you've said, they can't cherry pick what they don't have but they can take it completely out of context. So I hope that more people saw the after show and saw him with Jerry O'Connell cutting up, being self-deprecating and saw that he isn't, I didn't find his comment that I talked about in the rapid recap. And you and I jinxed on this last night. I didn't find his comment about not cracking the whip, but being excellent with swing and axe any different than Captain Lee's plane ticket home speech. Just the metaphor 
was different. And maybe because it's close to Halloween, the act seems a little more intense, but it all means the same thing. It's all the same. Right. Same message, different delivery. Yeah, exactly. So same result, different delivery. Yeah. The result is you're not on the show anymore and you're fired if you screw up. And we've heard Lee say it for seasons. So I think that people want the familiar and this has been Captain Lee's show for nine seasons and people he's coming. It's not like they haven't let us know if he's coming or not. We know he's coming and we know it's not going to be that far off in the future of this. So maybe just dial it back a little on the criticism of a guy who was thrown into a situation that he didn't know he was going to be thrown into and stepped up to the plate to do it. So yeah, that's just my opinion. Y'all can think what you want. I'm never out to like change your minds. You have your view of the show. We have our view of the show. Damn it. I am out to change your <laughs> minds. I think it's ridiculous. Cut the guy some slack. <laughs> I love you. Oh, you can be as political as you want to be. I am not to change my mind because I know what a great captain he is. Uh, I'm not being political. That's just my personality type. I just honestly, when you get to a certain age, you just stop trying to convince people of stuff and you just live your life. So <laughs> you're still in the change the world mode of your life. <laughs> I'm in the screw you all get off my lawn phase. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us we hope you will stick with us throughout the season be sure now that we're on wednesdays if you want to make sure you don't miss it it's easy to do all you have to do is subscribe to your favorite platform and they will have our episode ready for you as soon as it comes up also if you could rate and review that would help us out we had a great first season we had over 23,000 downloads our first season, and we were dumbfounded <laughs> by it. It was great. It was. It was awesome. And I'm really excited for this season because there's not the, what is it? Stigma. Yeah. Surrounding the show to where people might not watch because of people who are on the show. So we don't have that with this. So hopefully... We'll bring more people into the fold. We can all hang out. Send your questions to us at gangplankreport at gmail.com. And also, we are not doing a super fan episode this week. We're just re-airing the interview with Captain Sean. Because like I said before, Adrian is on a job. My husband had a medical procedure today. But we'll have those back next week. And if you would like to be a super fan, hit us up on that same email. Or you can message us on Twitter or Instagram. Catch us there. And other than that, I think that wraps up our first show of the first episode of OG. What about you, A? All good. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gang Plank Report. Down below music and lyrics by Angel Tweeter Frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Lorelei of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Super fan intro by Blind Lawrence. Cast off me, hearties.